Hello, and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Waima, and today I have Micah Abarka, I hope I said that correctly, on the show. She's here to talk to us about how to use Unity and Flutter together, right? So a lot of people are actually interested in making video games and using Flutter to do that. And uh, yeah, I think it's good to hear from her, her side what she thinks, because there's more than one solution out there. And she went ahead and went with Unity, so it'd be good to hear kind of, you know, what, what you thought about that. I think the first thing is let's go ahead and let's kind of let you introduce yourself, uh, talk about, you know, who you are. So go ahead. Sure. So I'm a software developer, software engineer, depending on what you want or what you like. Uh, I was born in Peru in South America. I lived in Asia for like around six, seven years, and I'm currently living in Europe. I graduated as a designer, and then I moved towards coding, and I work uh, for startups mostly, and I'm really enjoying it, so I want to keep on doing it for a long time, working with Flutter particularly as well, yeah. So that's pretty interesting, because not a lot of people like come from design and go to coding, right? I think people want to do that, but I don't hear a lot of success stories. It seems like you really have a success story. Like, what was the idea that made you want to change from design to, to coding? So when I started working on digital media, I created websites. So I was like a webmaster, right? So I created little websites and they were mostly static websites. And I had to like copy and paste some JavaScript and edit some HTML. And that's when I started uh, realizing that I really like coding. But then it was uh, later that I decided to decided to join um, a coding bootcamp. And uh, I just fell in love with uh, programming. My first programming language was Ruby. And from then on, I just continued coding. Okay, which coding bootcamp did you go to? It's called Ironhack. And I went to that uh, bootcamp in Barcelona in Spain. Was it expensive? Did you have to take out a loan or anything to make that happen? I don't remember the price, but yeah, they gave us loans. And it was like you had you had to pay only a fair amount of money, like small amount of money each month. So it was kind of easier to afford rather than paying it all at the same time, right? I think it was the equivalent of what a master's degree is in Spain. I don't remember exactly the price though, but yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like. I always hear about coding bootcamp, but I think it's more popular now than what it used to be. Um, I'm kind of on like the not go to coding bootcamp, but we had a guest on previously who really promoted uh, coding bootcamps. Uh, but he was definitely similar thinking in me and the fact that like coding bootcamps, so yeah, you can do it, but it's not like, okay, you go to it, you do it, you pay your money and you're done, you get a job. It's like you have to really bust your ass basically to make it happen, right? It's like you have to really put the effort in. Uh, out here, there's a coding bootcamp and there's a couple of them, but there's one in particular where my impression is most of the people, it's like they they just kind of go through the, the steps. They do it and then like they, they come for an interview and like I ask them simple questions like, what's this, what's that? And they're unable to answer that. Right. They say like, okay, uh, you know, like I say, okay, what is this line about encrypting a password? Like, what does this do? They can't even answer that. I mean, I hope that I understand that the, the, the time right, it's very crunched, but like, do you think that when you went through this yourself, that you were a part of like kind of that style or were you like really spending quite a lot of time, like understanding every single concept or how was your kind of style? I think that the difference between uh, coding boot camps and other type of education. I did only one year of systems engineering when I was at uni, so I don't really have experience studying a full career as a software engineer, but I've interviewed people who came from coding boot camps and, and who came fresh grads, right? So I think the main difference when we were trying to select people was the pragmatic approach and the ability to be able to actually create what they were asked to create. Uh, it's true that when you are in a coding bootcamp, you do everything really fast and you learn in a really short period of time. But the skills you acquire are skills that are super practical. Like an example, I learned about TDD when I was in the coding bootcamp. And that's something that many people haven't really heard or used, heard of or used, right? And even if you um, um, have 
been working as software engineer or developer for a long time, sometimes you are not familiar with those subjects or you don't even know how to do it properly, right? So that was one of the things that I learned in a coding bootcamp. So I think there are definitely advantages and disadvantages, and the disadvantages have to do with learning more about the theory, which is something that you have to put effort into if you really want to learn more about software engineering and computer science in general. Things like algorithms and data structures, those things you don't learn in a coded bootcamp. At least I didn't. Maybe you do now, but I didn't. And I had to learn about that later to, you know, have a clearer grasp of what I was talking about when I was talking about uh, creating software. Yeah, I think for me, my algorithms and, and data structures is kind of weak, but I kind of learn as I need to, right? So I think I talked to you before. I mean, so we met a long time ago to, to kind of give some audience a background is that uh, you were mm -hmm. in Shenzhen, I think. I was in Hong Kong. You came to Hong Kong to put on a creative coding meetup. Uh, we can talk a little bit about what is creative coding a little bit later on. Um, mm -hmm. And I would think I talked to you a little bit about Elixir, right? And for that one, like understanding like, What's a list? And then like a list in uh, Elixir is actually a single link list. And like a tuple is different. And you even tuple, of course, in like uh, Python, et cetera. And so it's good to understand, like, if you are using a list that actually finding the last element is very, very slow, as opposed to like a regular like uh, Python list or an array in Ruby, right? Mm -hmm. Getting the last element of array in Ruby, right? Just dot last is pretty easy. But in you know a single link list, I think you know what a single link list is, right? It takes a long time to get to the end. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I think is that I can pick up. But like if you ask me like how to do bubble sort, oh man, I forgot. It's been years since I took university, <laughs> so I couldn't implement right. a bubble yeah. sort to save my life. But uh, yeah, like I, uh, remember I told you about the booting the coding bootcamp guy, right? He was actually talking about algorithms and data structures and how you should really get into those, and those are really pro. Uh, what do you call that? Improve your career. Yeah. Were you actually going to say something? I felt like you I cut you off. No, I think that for me, that particular aspect helped me to understand how data is processed and that helps me in general. Like, But there are so many things that you have to learn when you're talking about software engineering, right? It's like a huge universe of things. And uh, even the most senior software engineers that I know that I really admire say that they cannot really grasp everything that is around them. Right. So that's why we tend to specialize in different areas and also depends on your personality of the things you're interested in, of the things you want to do and you want to learn. Like another area that I'm uh, passionate about is agile development. Right. And there was a time when I worked for a, for a, a software consultancy that's called ThoughtWorks. And I really learned a lot about how to approach software development from an agile perspective. And I think that's probably one of the skills that was the most useful and is the most useful for me now in my career. Yeah, so there are many things that you will never learn in like eight weeks in a, in a coding bootcamp, but it's definitely a good first step because at least you realize if you really like it or not, and if you really want to continue going down that path. And because there is a lot of need for support engineers at the moment, there are companies that are willing to invest in uh, hiring junior people so they can grow in their teams, right? They can learn uh, their coding practices and they can become part of the team quite fast. So... Yeah, I think it's it's a good thing to do if you are interested in coding. and uh, But definitely, it's not like you can take it for granted that once you finish, you are going to be super expert and then it's going to be super easy to keep on uh, continuing a career, to, uh, to start a career as a software engineer. It's not like that. You have to put a lot of effort into it. But it, there is an option. And I mean, it's an option and it's a good option, I would say. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, what I am thinking about right now is uh, what actually helped me a lot is actually having a mentor, right? Did you ever have a mentor yourself? Yes, yes. I had mentors um, uh, when I was at ThoughtWorks. That was the moment when I had uh, mentors that worked close to me. And it was definitely very useful, like getting feedback from people who have a clearer understanding of what you are trying to learn is really useful. Yeah, I think that's helpful for sure. Because we actually have a user who's actually live chatting with us right now, and he's asking it. He's asking his question is, uh, why is it so hard to find a mentor? Do you have any tips for maybe how to find a good mentor? I don't really have tips for that, but I think it's important to try to go to places, even if it's online, uh, 
where you can find like-minded people, right? Like meetups and things like that. And that those are places where you can probably find a person who aligns with you in terms of like your views and values. And that's the important connection. If you do that, then you're going to have a friend and then you're going to have somebody who's going to help you grow. So I've had had those experiences in the past and I actually ended up working with those people in their organizations. Um, so yeah, I would say just try to meet people and try to find people who you actually like, because if you are going to work with people who you don't like, you are not going to be able to grow. Yeah, I think that's a good, good start too. Um, I know for me, it's like you, you have to find somebody who's kind of like in the space or like in the direction where you want to go, right? Then they can definitely help you out. Uh, like for me, I wanted to go into like the, the CTO kind of style. So I found a guy who was a CTO and I just said, hey, you know, I, can you help to mentor me? Uh, I want to grow into this path. And, and I think that the path that you're on right now is the path I want to go to. And uh, I was quite surprised that he was to say, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I mean, you never know until you ask, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. So I'd love to hear more about like your journey, right? So you, you, you took the coding bootcamp and then like, did they help you to find a job or did you find it on your own? Like what, what happened? There were options in the bootcamp to like interview with certain companies, but I actually uh, did what I just told you. I went to meetups and I met somebody who I really uh, admired in the sense that I saw he was a, a very good professional and we ended up being friends and I ended up working in his organization. So that's how I found my first software engineering, well, my first job after the bootcamp. Okay. So what what was it exactly that you were doing? That job had to do with organizing, helping organize technical integrations. So I was not working as a full-time developer yet, uh, but I was helping uh, the engineering team uh, work with the clients so they could integrate our software product to their websites. So it was uh, the product was something similar to what's Klarna, that gives you instant credit when you want to do some online shopping. And so, yeah, that was that was what I was doing. I also helped writing some technical documentation and things like that. Because I had a designer background, my first jobs in, uh, in the industry were something in between designer and developer. But then uh, later in 2017, I started working as a full-time developer. Okay, you still with us? Yes, all good. Okay, I think the I think the live stream connection is a little bit choppy on your end. So okay, sorry. Kind of losing you a bit. I think the the, the next question I want to get into, yeah. Mm -hmm. When did you start getting into Flutter and why? Uh, I started getting into Flutter at the end of 2018. I was still working at ThoughtWorks, and one of my colleagues introduced me to Flutter. Um, we were working on a team that uh, was in charge of creating a mobile application. It was enterprise software, so it was huge. And because we were into mobile development at the time, um, uh, they were exploring Flutter, and that's where when I learned about it. And then I liked it. I started learning more about it. And I got my first freelance job in 2019, uh, creating a Flutter project. Because after ThoughtWorks, I started freelancing for a bit. Yeah. So 2019 officially, let's say. What was your impressions, right? Because I think I seen, uh, we asked you like what kind of things you were doing before. And you were definitely doing stuff. And it looks like you could do stuff in the mobile space, right? Swift. Sorry, I lost where you wrote it down. But you did Swift, Kotlin, and Java, I believe. Yeah, in that mobile yeah, team, we Java, were working. Kotlin, Biz Swift, right? So yeah, I think we you were, must have already had a background in kind of mobile development, right? So kind of like, what was your impression? Yeah, in that team, we were doing some uh, development in Kotlin. I did Swift just a tiny bit, mostly uh, in in Kotlin and uh, Java. And um, yeah, I mean, as I said before, it was enterprise software. So there were many different aspects that we had to take care of that uh, were part of the application. But... Then um, when I started working with Flutter, I just didn't go back to any of the native. I like I've been working with Flutter since 2019 until now. Okay, so what what was your thoughts about Flutter at the time? 
I really liked the fact that you could create UI in a declarative way and that was fast compared to what we were doing. And I saw the potential. I saw that it could be used for like small teams, for startups, for example, like because before working for this consultancy, I used to work for startups as well. And I really like the startup world. I like when people come with ideas and then they start something together. And so I saw that it could be used for many of these projects. And that's what's actually happening. So now I'm working on startups and using Flutter. So yeah, it's really versatile. I mean, uh, you don't really compromise uh, performance. That That's the reason why we are here, right? Yeah, definitely. I feel like when I use Flutter, I can build like anything that I want. I, I never really had a problem where it's like, oh, I don't think I can do that. Like there was a couple of times where like I couldn't get things to work properly on different screen sizes. But I think in general, uh, it's never been something where it's like, oh, I don't know how to make something like this. Uh, the nice part is that there's so many like plugins in the community that you could just use, right? Yeah. One of the cool things as well is because I have a designer background and there are so many things in Flutter that have to do with material design, right? So it was like perfect for me because I could see that I could reuse those different components in, in ways that were more effective when you were talking about creating the application. So yeah, I think I, I heard about the designer developer idea that it's, it's around, um, that has to do with, uh, creating products that are with Flutter. Uh, and I think I kind of, uh, uh, fit or in that box somehow, because <laughs> I'm a designer and also developer, but I'm trying to pay more attention to, to software engineer since 2017. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of interesting, right? Because if you're coming from a design background and the way Flutter works is like, you know, if you're a designer, uh, and and again, it's kind of my experience is that designers are actually able to really create whatever they want once they kind of start grasping things. Like, did you find like you had the same thing where it's like, okay, you have your design background and you can really do whatever you really want to do? Exactly, exactly. Uh, it's powerful. Because you have all the tools, right? Um, yeah. I have created a, a startup now using Flutter as well. Yeah. I can tell you more about it if you want. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you can definitely start telling us right now because that's interesting. So is it because of Flutter that you feel that you could make this startup? Or, you know, what, what, what can you say about it? Uh, remember when I was uh, saying that I got paid for my first freelance uh, job in 2019 for a Flutter project? Uh, I met the person who then hired me to create a mobile application uh, that is now our startup. So we became friends and then she asked me to be the co-founder and we just presented the application in the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago. We like when I went there to do a pitch and stuff. So it's evolved fast. And I actually started in with Flutter. Like I took it seriously because of this project, because she had the idea of like creating this mobile app and I, uh, and she wanted me to do it, but, and I thought Flutter would be a good option, right? Just by myself to have, to create an application that works for iOS and Android. So I said, yes. And that's when I started taking Flutter very seriously. And that project is now, as I said, evolving. We have just hired a freelance a freelance uh, guy to help us with the development because I don't really have time to do both anymore, like my job and, and the startup. So, yeah, it's going well. So Flutter gives you many options. If you have ideas, you can just put them together and create anything you like. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know why, but right now I keep wanting to ask you if you have any things that Flutter is not good for in your in, in your findings, right? Because putting a whole company onto a single technology like this is uh, definitely something that we have to really believe in, right? There must be something which didn't quite work, right? And it sounds like you're shaking your head, so I'm guessing there must be something. Yes, definitely. I don't want to uh, sound uh, like a person who thinks that Flutter is a solution for everything. It's not. 
Yeah, it's good if you want to create a project that, uh, that's uh, well-defined in, in the sense that you have a, an idea of the way you want to go and that you expect that you are not going to have to write a lot of uh, code that is platform-specific. I think that's one of the of the problems with Flutter, like because it's a framework that's created for applications that have to do with iOS and Android, right? There are certain things that you have to uh, do if you if you want to, for example, make your application to work in the background in Android, which is what happened to me, right? The application I was just telling you about is an application that broadcasts audio, and it has to do it even if the if the app is in the background. So in order to do that, you have to communicate with the OS of the device itself. And to do that, you have to write a uh, native code, right? So if, if you're a new developer, somebody who's learning how to code, uh, because Flutter, it's easy and attracts a lot of people who are new, uh, and you have a project in mind, you have a cool idea, uh, explore uh, the possibility or the need that your project might have of using a platform-specific code. And that's uh, somewhere where you are probably going to have some challenges. Apart from that, if you are a big organization that has lots of budget and lots of resources, why don't go native, right? I mean, depending on the project itself, of the needs of the project, the reach of the project, you have to decide which technology is good for you. Right? There are so many different factors you have to consider. But I like Flutter for like when you have ideas that you are a small organization, you and your friend, like me and my friend, and want to create something together for startups, for prototypes. And they can also become very serious professional applications. There are lots of them here in London that started, are still Flutter and then they do the job. But they have like a team of engineers behind trying to solve all the issues, like making the application work in the background and things like that, right? So... It depends on the project, and you might have some issues uh, related to to rendering frames in case you want to use something like a platform view, and then you want to draw something on top. Because if you do that, you are going to be compromising performance because you draw the screen basically twice, right? This is another area where you have to be careful. Another area that you have to consider is like if you're going to use Flutter for web, for example, SEO, as far as I understand, is not ideal or maybe even you cannot do it well. I don't know because I haven't tried, but I've heard about that. So I think that's something that you have to consider as well. I mean, Flutter is good, but you have to be aware that it's not like... Um, it's not a magic solution that is going to solve all your problems. It's definitely better than, than going native if you have a simple application and low resources. Yeah, I think most apps out there are really like, you know, talking to APIs, things like that. So you're not really going to be too much into the native code. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we had some people on here who did say similar things. And I think what I heard before, which makes a lot of sense, is that if the plugin environment for Flutter is good, then Flutter is good. And if the environment is bad, then Flutter is could also be bad. It's kind of like exponential pending like the environment for, for plugins. Definitely, definitely. It's conditioned to what's happening around. The same, right? like it, yes, exactly. Like if, if the plugins you're using stop evolving, then it's not going to be as good anymore, right? But at the moment, it seems to be going in the right direction. So let's see what happens in the future. Hopefully, it keeps on growing. Have you actually created any plugins yourself? No, I haven't. I haven't had the opportunity or the need so far to do something like that. Have you? Uh, yes, I did, actually. Um, well... I created I created two, both of them for clients specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, one was how actually integrating with native hardware for an Android robot. So they have their own SDK and we just use a Kotlin. Um, the other one was actually creating, um, we use Rust with Flutter actually to talk to the native system too. Um, mm -hmm. so the idea was like, we wanted to build like a, a, uh, 
a native app for Windows. So just when Windows support finally came out, we, I uh, was tasked with building a Windows app for a company. And uh, I said, why don't we just build uh, with Flutter? Because they actually were using Flutter for their mobile apps. I said, why don't we try Flutter? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as a backup, I can write all of the logic in the DLL or the DIL files, they call them DLLs. And uh, so that's what I did. I wrote a bunch of, I wrote some Rust code, which can compile to uh, Dill for Windows. And also we did the same thing for Mac. We did like SOs or something like that. And use Flutter plugin to connect it. And then just added the Flutter plugin to the project. And yeah, everything was working great. They loved it. Um, the nice part about Rust and Flutter is that they are very platform agnostic uh, for the most part. And so I wrote everything on a Mac it's kind of funny. I wrote everything on a Mac, and then I just pulled up a VM in a virtual machine in a VMware and just get cloned, compiled it, did the installer, installed it on a local machine I have over here, see if it worked. Worked basically out of the box, and uh, this brought to them. So I was kind of happy. It's kind of a really weird story where like we wrote everything on a Mac for a Windows machine, and that's kind of the power of Flutter is that it just kind of worked. Uh, it works. Yeah, I remember so we were talking about something. It's kind of like funny. That, like, I also so. see some people asking questions. Like, can I write like, uh, can I write apps for like Mac using a Windows? Can I write Windows apps on a Mac? Uh, and and yeah, technically you kind of can, but it just depends. You know, you wouldn't be able to actually test everything properly. So you have to hope that that plugin uh, works, or hope that you know how to write. And yeah, but you can't export, right? That's the only thing. So, uh, but yeah, that was a fun experience. But I've been actually pulling in plugins recently and actually upgrading and adding features to them more than creating my own plugins because, uh, yeah, going back to the plugin universe, like there's some plugins which they're missing features that I really need. And also some of them are actually a little bit buggy, right? So the plugin's only as good as the developer who wrote it. And so I like you find some issues and you have to submit patches and bring it back Or the time the developer has to write it. I'm happy to share, right? Because you're not the one who actually uses it. Yeah, no, I was just saying, I was just saying, or the time the developer has to write it. It must be a great developer, but they don't have enough time to dedicate to writing an open source plugin and it works and they just put it out there. We use it, fantastic, but it's not like, I I don't know, it's not the best uh, they could create, right? I mean, it's cool that there are lots of plugins there already. And I think it's cool to also participate and help people make them evolve. And actually, um, the reason why we ended up using Unity, which is something we we're going to talk about with Flutter, was because of an open source plugin that is out there. So yeah, it definitely helps a lot to have this kind of like um, input right from the community from many different people who like you have ideas and and just put projects and plugins out there so as you said if the community is strong if there are enough plugins and enough ways for us to integrate flutter with the look with the platforms then it this will keep on going yeah yeah i think so but the other thing too is like let's also not forget like this plugin worked for them, right? It solves their problem and they just happen to share it with us. Your problem may not fit their problem exactly. And also let's not forget too that they're sharing this like, and you're not paying them, right? You're not supporting them. And so don't get too upset if it's not working to your side, right? Try to help, uh, or at least the worst, the best you that, I think the, the best thing that you can do is just report the issue. And then, you know, see if they will help to fix it for you. Uh, if not, you can, if you can try to uh, fix it yourself and submit it and, and help others, right? So what I have to try to explain this to some of my clients is like, yeah, we use this open source plugin, but it's broken. And they get all upset. I'm like, you know, you need to relax. Like software is not free. Like you're paying me for software. So you're also not paying them like so and I'm not paying them either. So you, you need to like step back and think about, you know, we're using uh, an OK base and we can help to make it better. Right. So just don't expect that everything to work out of the box right away. Like it's just life. Yeah, it's tricky, like to make decisions when you are going to choose different plugins because you have to uh, see the support behind it. And depending on the project, you need to decide if you want to take the risk of using A or B, 
right? And uh, it's definitely an aspect to consider for sure, because you don't really know what's going to happen in the future with the plugins, if they're going to keep on being maintained or or probably not, and then you're going to have to uh, take responsibility and, and act. But yeah, I mean, um, I think it's just a matter of doing some research and seeing uh, which plugins tend to have more support, like the ones supported by the community. I'm just trying to choose that if the project you are going to create uh, requires certainty in that area, right? And so, but there is nothing that is 100% uh, bulletproof. That's why you need to do testing. Do you do testing? I wanted to ask that because I like, I haven't met many people who do Flutter and also try to do test, tests, I mean. Sarah, I think I lost you towards the end. You said you wanted to ask something? Yeah, I wanted to ask if you had met people uh, who use, uh, who have a testing approach for Flutter. Like there are some, but I haven't really met many people who are doing uh, Flutter and are also like have a consistent or clear approach for testing. Yes, um, I actually do write tests. I do see that you do use block. And so what I usually do is I usually test my block, make sure that certain events have certain outputs. Mm -hmm. um, I have done like TDD testing with mm -hmm. um, with uh, River Riverside or Riverpod. So that was a lot of fun too, yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, there, we have a guest who actually came on twice already called mm -hmm. Alexander Minette. He, wow, this guy is, uh, he does everything as automated as possible. He does all like, um, he, he, he does like golden tests, which is like the PNG testing with the screen uh, sizes, everything. Right. And he does um, unit testing, uh, view testing, all kinds of testing. He does basically everything. And he actually, I think we just did an episode with him last week or so where he went through all of his testing. And, and you should definitely check out that episode and see how he does. Definitely watch the video um, because he kind of goes through how he tests everything. Cool, cool, cool. That sounds cool. Yeah, I think that's a good subject. It's a good topic because Flutter is like um, a good first step, even if you're learning how to code and you want to create something like a, a mobile app or even a web app. But then if you want to take things to the next level, you need to have uh, ways to approach things like state management and testing and things like that, right? So I think those subjects are interesting as well because they help uh, software evolve in the right direction. One of the things I find quite difficult for like beginners is like this whole entire null safety thing. And we're talking about like plugins, right? I've seen quite a few like beginners who kind of come into the community and they get hung up on using plugins. And the two things they get hung up on is one is like the support for different platforms, right? So there's some plugins which only support like, you know, like iOS, Android, or even desktop, but they don't support web. And uh, it could be because technical or it could be because the guy just didn't write it. Um, that's something I've seen happen quite a few times. And people are saying, how can I fix this? And I'm sorry, but if it doesn't support the platform, there's not much you can do. That's kind of one of the bad things about Flutter. Uh, the other thing, too, is now with kind of the forced null safety starting in Android or sorry, starting in Flutter 2.2, which is the more recent one. Yeah, you're going to run into null safety issues. And if you try to bring in a plugin which doesn't have null safety, it's just not going to work out, right? And so I've seen quite a few yeah. people getting frustrated with this. And uh, I feel bad that they're kind of coming in at this time. And it's like, okay, I heard Flutter's cool. I heard it works. You know, I'm watching these old tutorial videos. Uh, what are all these things? Why do I have to add question marks? Like, what is final? What is, you know, all these things? And then why is this plugin not working? I saw it could work, you know but it's like a no safe issue or the platform issue. Like those things are really uh, downers, I think, for the beginners in the community. Yeah, it's true. But it's a moment in, when, in which things are changing, right? So hopefully people are going to start migrating their projects, their plugins, and things are going to be easier and better for, for everybody else. But yeah, I completely agree. Like I've met people who wanted to 
uh, migrate their project, but they couldn't because the plugins they were using did not support null safety yet. So yeah, just have to wait. I think it's going to happen though. I don't think it's going to take that long. The Flutter community is really dynamic. Things happen so fast and change all the time. So like uh, when we met in Hong Kong, we were talking about Flutter and I started uh, working with Flutter in that year. And now two years have passed and so many things have changed, right? We were like talking about the beginning of our Flutter journey, I think. And now, you know, you've done so many different projects and it's just super dynamic. Like so many different packages have been created and and it's moving super fast. So I think I have I think it's going to happen. I think uh, people are going to start like upgrading their plugins and and will benefit from that. And also, if you have plugins or if you want to help, yeah, it'll be cool, right? <clears throat> yeah, I do see quite a few people kind of taking up storm, saying, "Hey, we want null safety and." Can you do it? And the guy will say, I'm too busy. And he'll say, okay, we'll do it for you, right? That's kind of yeah, the yeah. nice part about the Flutter community. People are not kind yeah. of like flaming each other saying, you got to update this plugin or I'll kill you. <laughs> you don't get this kind of community. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's the good part, right? Is I see a majority of people saying, we're here to help. Like if you can't do it, we'll definitely submit the, the PR for you. So I'm happy to see that. Um, I feel like we're talking about so many things, but I don't want to skip on the main topic, right? So, so sorry about that. Sure. Uh, no worries. The thing we brought you on for, and uh, again, I'll reiterate, is like how to use Unity and Flutter, right? So, what was like the discussions, right? Um, I think maybe you can talk about like you know what was the project because your project is actually quite featured by Flutter, uh, the Flutter team, right? So please go ahead. Okay, so I can tell you a little bit about uh, my story when I was working in that project. So first I joined when they had already created the application. So it already existed. It needed some additional development in order for it to be released. So I was not uh, there when the decision was made to use Flutter and Unity, but I could see it evolve, be released, and it's now, uh, it's being featured. So it's been an interesting experience. Um, uh, as I was saying before, uh, it was thanks to uh, a open source plugin that the team were able to use Flutter and connect it with Unity, right? And uh, when we were featured, the person who created the, pl the plugin was there as well in the video. So, and he worked with us, like we contacted him. Uh, people in my team contacted him and started working with him because as you said, like sometimes those people might not have enough time to be able to make certain changes that are particular, that are important for your particular use case, right? So they contacted him and they started working together and, and there were some changes that were made and it was a very collaborative uh, environment. And thanks to that, uh, the application uh, worked as expected. So we had two teams in the project, we had a team of uh, game developers and a team of software engineers. The software engineers were working with the Flutter project and the game developers with all the uh, Unity uh, aspect of the application. And uh, I think at some point you were asking me like, why uh, choosing uh, Flutter and Unity? Why not just Unity, right? I think one of the uh, reasons behind that was that uh, they wanted to get the best of both worlds, right? Because Unity is optimized for UIs. And then, uh, sorry, Flutter is optimized for UIs. And then Unity for, for game development and AR experiences, which is what they were doing or what we were doing. So it meant uh, because of the plugin, it was, a, we thought it was, a, or they thought, I guess, when they made the decision, uh, that it was a good idea to combine both. And so the results were successful. It was not a super straightforward process, that's for sure, but it worked and it's already out there. So, yeah. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, the connection between you and I is really not very good. So I only caught bits and pieces of it, but sounds uh, really interesting. It makes a lot of sense, right? Use what's uh, each one's like really good at. Right, I heard you said Flutter is great for making mobile apps. Unity is great for making apps or making, sorry, making games. So it makes the most sense to combine the two yeah. best tools together to have the best product available. Um, yeah, like I think the one thing I couldn't figure out is like I know with Unity you can just export directly to to like an, like the the 
the phone, right? So like, why even bother to to do that? Because there's not many things I think in a in a in a game like this that needs to be Flutter, right? You could just directly just use okay. Unity to create everything you need. No. Yeah, yeah, I know where you're coming from. Uh, the thing is that the project we worked on, or I think I know where you're coming from, but the project we worked on is not a game per se. It is a storytelling experience. So the application, the UI part, the platform has a very big role, the very important role, right? It's the driver for the experience. And then the UI uh, elements, the UI, sorry, the AR elements are like part of the um, Flutter application. So the Flutter application is like the driver. So it's it's a it's like a newsfeed, let's say, yeah, because we have something similar to a newsfeed where you are uh, where you find different types of media. It's not just AR. There there is video. There is audio. It's a complicated narrative. Uh, and a very interesting way to tell a story. And AR is part of it, probably one of the most or the most important part of it. But it's not just that. And it's not just a game, right? So uh, it's an innovative idea. And uh, I think it was one of the reasons why um, it was. A, it's a bit um, difficult to communicate, right? When you say Unity, everybody goes and thinks, oh, yeah, sure, a game. But it was not the case for this particular project. So because um, the application part of the whole project uh, had a very high importance, uh, then then it made sense to use something that was designed to create mobile applications particularly, right? Like you can have things uh, like uh, lazy uh, instantiation of li- lists, right? And then that helps you a lot to create uh, applications when you're working with Flutter. You have all those components that you can just adapt and change. And so it's uh, created specifically for that, right? So that's why, because it was not just a game that was in AR and Unity, but it had a lot of other components that needed an interface. And so we needed a very performant interface, and that's why. Okay, okay, I, I, I see. All right, that makes sense. Yeah, but I guess if you're going to use a straight game, right, then maybe it wouldn't make sense to mix the two, right? That's a little bit too... Yeah, definitely. Like everything in technology, you have to... Exactly. Like anything in technology, you have to think about the project you want to create, where you want to get, and which tools are the best for you to get there, right? There is no magic solution for all problems. You have to evaluate all the possibilities you have around and the resources you have, right? So how did Google actually get to hear about your project, right? How did you guys like come out and say, hey, we use Flutter and Unity, right? That, that's kind of the interesting part. That's a really good question. And I don't really know the answer for that question. Like, I just remember one day I was contacted by somebody in the in the company and they said, hey, uh, Google wants to feature our application. Do you want to help putting together some info for that? And then I volunteered and helped. But I don't really know how that connection happened. I guess it was thanks to our marketing and PR department. And yeah, but I don't know the details. Which pieces of the app did you actually work on yourself? Uh, when I joined, there were animations that needed doing. So I focused the majority of my time uh, creating animations. Uh, I had to uh, customize animations that are already there for that Flutter gives you. Uh, out of the box, let's say, to make them more specific because uh, our client, uh, partner we were working with is an important design studio here in the UK and they have a particular animation style that they wanted the application to uh, reflect. So the way the movements uh, happened when you clicked a button, the way uh, things, uh, elements, screens showed up uh, when you were uh, navigating, all those things needed to be animated in a particular way, right? So I helped a lot doing those uh, aspects of, of the app, writing animations, creating. Uh, there is uh, this tool called Lottie where you can create animations and then import them in Flutter. And then uh, we did things like that as well because we had designers and animators creating graphics and so we can import them, and, them in, in Flutter and organize the 
the application so it could show those animations in the right moment. Yeah, that was the the job. And then I also did a little bit of like um, implementations with Block because that application I was working in, it was mainly Redux. So it was almost all Redux. And then there were some areas that needed small little tweaks, like when you want to create an um, interface to play audio, for example, you need play, pause button, and you need certain animations and things to happen around that. So I created a block uh, component to be able to handle that particular part of the app. And that's when I started working with block, and that's what I use now. Okay, so you actually use block within this project. That's quite interesting. I heard less and less people using block, but it's not not too many uh, people. Usually people use Riverpod. Uh, but yeah, I do hear, hear some people using block, right? So was that your first time ever using block? Yeah, that was my first time using block when I was in that in that project. And now I use block. I use block now for like the project I'm working on. Uh, I like uh, how I can test the different components. And I think it's also because I'm more familiar with it. But that's one of the things that happen when you do software development, right? You find something that works and then you become familiar with it. And then in order for you to change to another solution, you have to evaluate uh, the benefits, right? Because you're gonna you're going to invest time learning the new approach for sure. And if the benefits are good enough, then you can move towards that direction. So it's all always changing. So I don't know for how long I'm gonna be working with Block, but at the moment that's that's what I'm doing. Okay, cool. I think, uh, yeah, I have a really good idea about, about why and how you guys work with uh, Unity, and it seems like it makes sense for you guys. Uh, so I think anybody else who's, who's thinking about doing this, hearing this podcast and hearing your, your thoughts and your experience will definitely give them an idea if they should go on that route or not, right? Uh, is there anything else you want to say about your, your time working with Flutter and, and Unity together? I think it is important to be able to create processes that work for everybody. Because when you're working with two different technologies, very different technologies like Flutter and Unity, and people who are specialized in those different technologies, you have a big gap, a communication gap, right? So it's important to be able to find a way to connect those two worlds from many different perspectives, right? Like. Uh, if you are uh, successful doing that, then you're going to be able to create a good product. Uh, but if you cannot do it, then it's going to be complicated, right? So game development and software development are two completely different worlds, even though they have things in common. So it's uh, it's part of the of the challenge to be able to create something together in that environment. So if somebody wants to do that, that's also something they have to consider. Okay, that's a good tip. Yeah, if nothing else, I think we can start to, to wrap up over here. So a couple of questions I have for you is, uh, I think like if somebody's new to Flutter, right, do you think that the, the state of education in Flutter right now is good, like, like looking at all the books, tutorials, things like that? Do you think that there's enough material out there for them to really get started and get into it? I think so, definitely. At the end of the project, my last project, the one we were just talking about, I started helping with the Unity side. And it was really hard for me because I could not find enough resources. I'm sure that people who are Unity experts probably disagree with me. But because I came from the Flutter world uh, at that time, I was working in Unity for like, I don't know, a month or something. It was very clear to me to see the difference. Like you have so many resources in Flutter and there are lots of very good tutorials. There is information everywhere. You Google things and you find the answer. You ask people, you can get in touch with the, with the um, people who are creating the plugins and all that. So I think it's definitely, uh, there is enough information out there for anybody to, to start if they really want to. And it's easier from my personal experience, which, experience, which is limited and probably people might not agree. But in terms of information, it was a lot easier for me to get into Flutter than it was to get into Unity when I was trying to learn a bit of Unity. I think my final question is like, do you have any like tips or warnings for people who are beginning to actually use Flutter? Um, I think it's 
what I said before, right? Like uh, Flutter is a good tool, but you have to evaluate if it's good for your particular use case, right? Uh, be careful in case you need to use lots of uh, uh, platform specific code, because if you are learning how to code and you are not familiar with mobile, that might be like a barrier for you uh, or your team. So c- consider those aspects and and then, uh, yeah, go for it, because there is a lot of information out there, as we said, right? I think the big thing for me is like people really need to take some time to wrap their mind around asynchronous programming, right? Streams and futures. Those are probably some of the trickiest concepts within Flutter because most other programming languages are very synchronous, right? That's the, the I big think promises in JavaScript kind of is similar, right? Mm-hmm. I think promises in JavaScript work in a similar way, right? Definitely, definitely similar, right? But you still need to... Yeah, you still need to, to take the time to learn about those. Not everybody, like if it's your first language, then you're not going to go to JavaScript and learn about promises. Sure. If it's your first programming language, you have to pay attention to to asynchronous programming for sure. And you also have to um, understand what Flutter actually is in the sense that, yes, it's a tool that helps you create beautiful and performant UIs, but you can also create a whole application with Flutter and do all the logic you need if it's a small app, right? You have to wrap your head around uh, the limitations and the possibilities of of a tool like this one. Yeah, definitely. Okay, do you have anything else you wanted to to mention or talk about before we sign off? No, I think that's it. Thanks for the chat. Nice to see you again. Yeah, I hope I hope we can open up the border between you know the Europe and, and Asia very soon. So I would love to go to, to Europe someday. I still haven't been yet. So and I would love I've to have you back on and talk more Hong about Kong. your your startup, right? Because we didn't give you a lot of time to talk about that. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate Thank it. You. And uh, let's have you back soon. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye.